RPN, the Roddenberry Podcast Network. The Track Files, Season 2, Episode 21, NBC Broadcast Standards Department Memo, Plato's Stepchildren, September 4th, 1968. Welcome to The Trek Files, a look into the archives of Roddenberry Entertainment from the personal files of Gene Roddenberry. And now your host, Dr. Trek, Larry Nemechek. Well, welcome back, Star Trek fans, Star Trek background fans, all you canonistas out there, and yes, you Trekophiles with an F. We have a great show this week, uh, a new guest to the show, and we're going to be discussing, as a kickoff point, one of the most... Um, one of the most infamous moments of Star Trek history, one of the most pivotal moments, uh, a feather in its cap, and one that we just celebrated the anniversary for. So as usual, check out the document right there on our Facebook page at The Trek Files, and uh, take a listen before I'm right back to talk about it with our guest. Page 52. Extreme care must be exercised when staging these scenes, so it is obvious the Plutonian's intention is to humiliate. There may be no hint of voyeurism. Caution on the postures and actions of our four principles so that no impropriety can be suggested. The embraces must not be such as would embarrass a viewer, and there must be no open-mouth kissing. Further, it must be clear there are no racial overtones to Kirk's and Uhura's dilemma. Yes, crew. If you couldn't tell by that, we are talking about the infamous moment in Plato's Stepchildren, the oft-debated first interracial kiss on television, which has been whittled down now to American television. (laughs) We've had samples come out over the years, but we just celebrated the 50th anniversary of that moment airing. And uh, yes, our document this week, Gene loved to rail about them. They were historically and so infamously logged in the original making of Star Trek book by Stephen Whitfield Poe. Um, we've got an actual copy of one of those infamous NBC broadcast standards department uh, standards and practices memos with the original censor notes, the censors. And what better person to have talk with me about censors than one of my good friends from the world of Star Trek and far beyond. Uh, He came to Next Generation with his spec script, The Offspring, worked there for two seasons on staff, the last final seasons, came to DS9 and was on staff the last five years, writer-producer of DS9, gone on to co-create the 4400, uh, showrun Medium as a uh, co-showrunner, and now has a new show coming to Amazon Prime he can talk about. But Renee Eshvaria, thank you for joining us on the Trek Files. It's great to see you here with us. Hey, Larry. Thanks for having me. Good to see you. Good to see you. Um, and I should also throw into that introduction that Renee is as big a Trek fan as anyone, if you know that Renee co-wrote Trials and Tribulations on DS9. So the cred is there. No more need be said. <laughs> And uh, I wanted to, to uh, talk about this memo in this moment, and um, it's the anniversary time season right now. And but you caught into it right away too. I did. <laughs> I did. Yeah. Yeah. What? What? Uh, kind of, I mean, we're, we all know the moment. We were just actually reviewing it. So this is a standards and practices memo. The, the you know the in censories uh, or whatever. What? Yeah. What does that bring? To, I mean, this is the '60s also, and you written well, television in the '80s yeah, and the I mean, '90s I mean, and the arts. First, it's, it's just seeing. Uh, you know, broadcast standards memo is a, gives you PTSD if you're a, if you've had a career in in network television. Um, 
you know, and and it's something you you learn to navigate. Um, you know, it's 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 part of the business. There's there you 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 develop a shorthand with the people that that uh, that write these. Um, these usually follow or followed up or, or, or following a, a phone call. Uh, phone call actually is usually. I'm a little concerned, you know, that the the, the guy or whoever's in charge of that is like, ah, I need to talk to you about this. Um, but there's all, you know, memo, because everything's got to be documented. Well, I told them. I told them not to do it. <laughs> you, know, you know, you tell them. I, you know, I, they won't listen to me. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? There's my paper trail. Right. But I would think in 1968, you know, when the networks were really at the height of their, uh, you know, Everybody in America was watching one of three channels. You know, right, they would have right. thirty million viewers a night. Um, you know, unheard of numbers nowadays. Uh, and the whole thing run by advertisers uh, or financed by advertisers who could be very easily spooked by oh right, who knows what. So it, it was a big part of the business, and and in the network side of the business, it still is. Well, right. I mean, it was the 60s as far as, like, social levels. The FCC, they imagine, is looking over their shoulder, but a lot of this was self-imposed. They wanted to self-regulate. Yeah. And, right, it was the time of the big three. There was no one else. And uh, I I don't know. Obviously, it was before your career. It was before I was writing in television. (laughs) Uh, But, you know, these, these stories of the censors, the broadcast standards memos, and Gene Messerschmidt is a name on here that's, you know, if you, and I, we were just talking, you were a fan. You remember getting your copy of The Making of Star Trek. Oh, yeah. And yeah. being influenced about, this is how TV works. And and these are, you know, in Gene's litany of how the world was against me. <laughs> <laughs> and he, it was against you two fans until you brought our show back. But, you know, they were, these are quoted all through that book. Oh, yes. Yeah. And, you, I mean, you remember oh, reading yeah, at the yeah. time and yeah. thinking. You know, I, mean, I, I mean, I read that book when I was. I don't know, maybe 15 or 16. So a lot of it was, you know, I, I, I pretended to understand things. But, um, <laughs> but you know, I remember the lists of the names for, for Spock. Spork, Spurk. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and at the time, I didn't understand that, that those were parodies between, you know, they were sending each other funny lists. Yeah, yeah. I was like, wow, they really thought Spork? I mean, they really? <laughs> did they really think that? You know. Read it probably read it again in college and and uh, read the book again in college. I have a dog-eared copy. And uh, oh oh right, but I mean I just those the the language of the censor care must be shown. You care know. must be shown. Yeah, care yeah. must be exercised or yeah. or take take caution that the hypo to be administered by Doctor McCoy, not Mister Spock. Yeah yeah yeah. It's I, the word kept, that kept leaping out at me because they use it a couple times is you know. To avoid embarrassing the viewer, that seems very of the era, you know, right. uh, and and that's sort of like well, because naturally any right-thinking person would be embarrassed and right. embarrassed. or shocked or shocking to the viewer. <laughs> yeah, shocking is still a word that's used, but embarrassing that really seems like a, a that's passe now. Yeah, you wouldn't say that. Well, as no. far as this, uh, you know, they, I'm they, sure you'd probably just say offending, right? You know. Um, well, I mean, it's you know we talk about the interracial kiss, which is the the paragraph that we cited here. Mm-hmm. The CC list is also fun. They're like that's a plethora of like Star Trek names, Desilu names, NBC names. Yeah, you know it's funny. I, I mean, like I said earlier, I, I while I certainly give the producers and Gene and everyone else the credit for and and frankly uh, Gene uh, Messerschmidt, you know, for understanding that the racial component should be irrelevant. Um, at the same time, if that's true, you, you kind of can't have it both ways and then claim 
in a, in a very sort of sound body way years later. Well, you know, we had the first interracial kiss. If the point <laughs> of the kiss was that it wasn't interracial. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it was a little, it, it, you know, it's a good sound bite, but it's, it wasn't a story point. You know what I mean? Right. That, 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 that they chose to cross some kind of line, you know? So only in the most abstract sense was it groundbreaking. At least that's my my two cents. I see. You know? a, a little bit like on Rejoined, where we were looking at it as, oh, it's, a, it's two women kissing. It's a groundbreaking moment. But in the context of DS9, it was two disassociated uh, yeah, joined trills. That's an interesting analogy, though. I would say... I think I'm just throwing it out there. Yeah, no, no, it's an interesting analogy, and I think it's a fair one. But I, but I think rejoined in in that sense, which I which I co-wrote with Ronald, yes. with my <laughs> good friend Ronald D. Moore, um, the metaphor was explicit in the sense that it was a taboo for different reasons. It wasn't a right. taboo because they were two women. It was a taboo because they were reassociating. They were, they were yes. reassociating, so it tracked in that way. Here, there was like, well, you know. Honestly, the scene would have been the same regardless of, of, of the race. And, you know, good, good on them for pressing past, as, as, you, as you pointed out. Right. There was some resistance and some concern. Good on them, but I don't know that, it, I don't know that you can... I don't know. Right. You know what I... You know what, you, Did you get any pushback or any upfront worries about uh, the scene in Rejoined? No, not at all. Not at all. That's and I, I, think, I think it was edited... It, it, it wasn't trying to pull back, you know, or, or, or can we just get it over with? I mean, it was right. quite a, I think there was even a tendril of, of saliva. <laughs> <laughs> They're really, honestly, uh, we were all kind of shocked because they, because they, there were plenty of choices there. And Rick Berman, uh, you know, chose that mm-hmm. quite, quite passionate, quite tender, quite a, quite a lovely Yes. yes. To, to update. Well, we have. We, it's on. It's all, it covers everything. We've got to make certain the side of Parman's infected leg is not shocking or alarming. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and of course, I'm talking about the bruises. I think the, the page twenty-two one is. I'm sorry, page twelve. That's that's a beautifully uh, crafted piece of broadcast and standard prose because it's like you know naturally. This telekinetic stuff, you know, it should be, think of it as if, if it were a real fist fight and make sure it's no more violent than that, you know. So are we speaking the same language here? <laughs> we've done these yes. fist fights before, you know. Yeah, fist fights we know. We, yeah. We've just yeah. got out of the Westerns. So that, that Twisting, choking, and backbending are not grotesque or shocking. And, and page 22, Kirk's bruises must be minimal. And, of course, yeah. there will be no blood. That should be the name of a novel. There will be no there blood. There will be no blood. <laughs> <laughs> they can't even have McCoy say Lord. Now, I personally would think I heard McCoy say Lord this and that a few times, but uh, I, yeah, didn't I happen. think so too. You know, but I but I think the 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 money graph, as they say in the in mm-hmm. journalism business, page fifty two. You know, they, I have to give them credit. You know, for understanding that. It must be clear that there are no racial overtones to Kirk and Hurd's mm-hmm. dilemma, and and I think the scene accomplishes that. You know, it uh, so it's very in the world of of uh, you know of the twenty third century, and and they have no hangups about it. So that's not it's not an extra element, right, to the characters. You know, it's about we are colleagues, we uh, respect each other, we work side by side, and now we're being you know, manipulated and forced to do something. Um, it's very well handled. 
you know. Right. Now, famously, if you believe the memoirs of uh, Shatner and, and Nichelle Nichols and probably statements by Gene over the years, that there was nervousness, at least on the Desilu, on the studio side. Well, they were, in, they were uh, Paramount by this time, late third season. Paramount had bought Desilu. But there was some nervousness there, and they wanted different takes. And so they had – actually, the draft started where it was Spock and Nichelle early, early on, mm-hmm. Spock and Uhura. And Shatner wanted it to be a Kirk – Action. He said, "Well, if this is going to happen, it should be the captain, not he." Pulled one of those. So all you know from first draft on, it was Kirk. But then they had a dilemma about actually shooting, and they did takes where they didn't actually kiss; they came close to it. And mm-hmm. then, and and uh, supposedly the takes are there where everything that was supposed to be a choice they could have used for a non-kiss that they they ruined or goofed up or screwed around, and they only gave them one good one. You know, Shatner crossed his eye. That pose, the way he swings down, he crossed his eye. Anyway, gave them only one take they could really use. And yeah. supposedly at the time it aired, there were some... Well, that's a classic. Some that's nervous. a classic stratagem. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You we'll know, give you choices. You know, when you're like, we'll give you choices. We'll give you choices, and then you know, you only have one really good choice. Now, this um, obviously was the '60s, so we we are pairing that up this week with a very short m- mention, but it also uh, from the next gen era, uh, just before your time, uh, actually on the show on staff, but updating into the '80s and '90s sensibilities, and kind of a contrast here. This is network. You've worked on network shows, but on Star Trek was syndicated. DS9 and Next Generation were syndicated. Yeah. So do you remember – there wasn't an overt standards and practices department because it was studio producer. A lot of freedoms and liberties that the Trek shows had, at least before they were the UPN I'm, series. I mean, I'm sure that there were lawyers who looked at everything to give you the – you know, make sure all the music is cleared. You know. Right. <laughs> um, you know. Again, that's just people covering their bases and saying, yeah, I, I told them, you know, in case there's a mistake, it's not my mistake, you know. But um, I'm sure there were lawyers, even even in the syndicated world of Next Generation, who looked over clearances and things like that and probably, uh, you know, we, we were – it was all filtered through Rick Berman's office. Right. We, we didn't get directly any of these types what? of things. What uh, strikes me, though, about the next gen and DS9 years especially, those were your, your series, but they were the syndicated shows, and there, were, there, there was not that extra level at the top. But there was this memo that we're also sharing is a memo uh, that Michael Piller is passing on to the staff. Uh, it's like, it's, I don't want to say self-censorship, but very aware of he's reciting a time slot mm-hmm. here at the time. And that's another factor aside from just standards and practices, basic things, a lot of times you st- and to this day, you think, where is this airing? What time of day? What's the, you know, and now you've got streaming versus premium, which are a whole, yeah. you know, the door was open there. But old, old school network yeah. and the cable channels are a step a little bit beyond that. And mm-hmm. I mean, you've worked in all those yeah. levels, yeah. right? Well, um, nowadays, you know, well. if anything, you're incur- <laughs> especially on a streaming platform, my, my, my new show uh, is for Amazon Prime, uh, so I'll plug it. It's called Carnival Row. Please. <laughs> Coming out in 2019. Uh, Is there sorry. anyone we've heard that's attached to it? <laughs> Orlando Bloom and oh. uh, Cara Delevingne, uh, Jared Harris, Indira Varma. Um, oh, them. Them. <laughs> um, so, you know, if anything, you're encouraged. You know, it doesn't get to the sort of preposterous uh, HBO level. Right. <laughs> you know, can, I can imagine the memos. Can they be naked? <laughs> you know, uh, but you know, you're certainly encouraged. Edgy, edgy is award winning. Edgy makes right. uh, gets press. Edgy, you know, um, you know that's gets the era, buzz. That's the gets era the we hits live and in. likes. You know? Right. 
Um, you know, it's a fascinating memo. What's, what's the date on it? 1991. 1991. So February 26th. So late fifth season? Yeah. So yeah. Michael had been there, you know, Michael came the third season, I believe. 89. Sorry, late, late fourth season. Late four, okay, so, so yes. that's only, Michael only been there a year. Right, a couple years. Or season. I mean, he came the third season. Third, yeah, yeah, so this yeah. is the end of his second season. And, uh, you know, what's interesting you to me You were still doing that, long distance uh I was I was still in New York. I was right. freelancing um, and you know pitching ideas, and if I sold them, they 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 let me write them. So <laughs> it, was a, it was a pretty pretty good situation. I and enjoyed. wondering why the hell aren't you out here? <laughs> um, but you know, I think when I when I read that memo, I yeah, it's interesting because I think having eventually become a showrunner, running a show myself, you know, you you when you sit in that chair. And a little bit like when Picard says, well, when you sit, you know, Riker says, mm-hmm. when you sit in the chair, you know, you, you, it does give you a different perspective. Um, because writers, generally speaking, you know, they want to push the envelope. Right. They, they want to go it, for it. Yeah, they want it to be adult and sophisticated and edgy and, and you know, um, and it falls, sometimes it falls to the showrunner or even sometimes an executive at the studio or the network to say, remind people who who is our audience you know what time is this on? Right. <laughs> you know, again, that doesn't matter anymore. Um, and and remind people that, and 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 say, you know, f- you know, mine your stories. You you have to you have to find a, a creative way to get at what you're getting. You want to get at, mm-hmm. but but not like that. You know. Um, and so you know, I I, I kind of get it. And I could see, I could imagine the eye rolling that this memo received, you know, <laughs> as it crossed every single writer's desk, um, and and their frustration, you know, and felt like they were being handcuffed. But again, a, a, a showrunner has to keep a higher vision. As he says here, we feel it's inappropriate for a show that is seen at five in the afternoon to deal with adult sexuality. Rick wants to maintain a tone of innocence to the series. It's an important reminder, you know. I mean, I'm sure the writers don't see it that way, but you know, they didn't maybe didn't realize that the last five scripts, first drafts, each writer, you know, had some kind of post-codal scene, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and 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 right. you know, and to the point that these guys were like, oh, we got, we got, you know, we have to. We have to put out a memo. Well, you do, know? Yeah, sexual humor is acceptable, though. Humor, right, sexual right. humor is acceptable. Well, do you, you remember know, the, the, over the... the uh, I, I'll never forget Michael saying yeah. uh, the perfect mate, um, which I worked. I was one right. of the many writers who worked on it. And finally, Michael had to just write it himself because no one was quite... No one quite got that it was a comedy. It was a screwball comedy, <laughs> he said to me. Don't you see that? And I'm like... No, I, I actually still don't see it. Kamala, the, uh, the yeah. It's a screwball comedy. The intended bride for the guy she doesn't want. She gets bonded with Picard instead. Yes, and it's, yes, yes. Yeah. It's a screwball comedy. It's a, not a tragedy. It's a screwball comedy. I'll tell you a funny uh, standards of practice story. This was on, on Dark Angel, which was a show for Fox. And I, I was very friendly with the guy. You know, he would call me and he would send the follow-up memos. But he was like, uh, Renee, um, I see here uh, this this part is written in Spanish. Uh, and it was the opening, sort of a, it was sort of a cold opening, almost a, almost a um, uh, Law and Order type opening, mm-hmm. you know, where you see some people and, and they were talking and they were workers, you know, coming to, uh, you know, clean up after a, a nightclub in the morning or something. And they're talking in Spanish and you have five lines of dialogue and then they find the body. And they find the body, right. Standard. And... Um, and I had him, yeah, they give each other a hard time. And this is when he was like, oh, Renee, I see here he says, uh, 
oye, amigo, no comes mierda. Uh, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, mierda is um, sh- uh, S-H-I-T, is it not? And, and I'm, I don't speak Spanish myself. I'm like, yeah, well, technically speaking, yes. Yes, it is. Um, and he's like, well, we, you know, we can't, we can't have that. Like, well, you know, you know, I don't remember his name. Let's call him Barry. Barry, you know, here's the thing, you know, there's a lot of words for S-H-I-T in every language. And this is really more like saying crap. <laughs> and he's like, oh, well... Are you sure about that? And I'm like, absolutely. I'm a native Spanish speaker. Let me, you know, I, I finally sold the deal by saying, let me put it this way. My mother would say it. She'd say, Rene, stop comiendo mierda. <laughs> stop eating crap. <laughs> she would scold me. So w- would my mother use a word that you don't think would be on Fox? And he's like, oh, I guess it's all right. <laughs> and so we got it through. And yeah, use your mother as a human shield. Sure, okay, sure. Gets it across. Hey, it won the point. It won the point. And Medium went on to a happy and long successful it life. It did. Yeah. Well, listen, thank you so much for coming by. This is a moment in history, but it also gives us a glimpse we can talk about um, the crazy world of... Uh, Great to be here. I enjoyed, uh, enjoyed this little... Uh, despite post-traumatic stress <laughs> of, of these, it's fun. You know, this was somebody else's problem. Probably when it was a long time ago. Right, so. right, right. Well, it was fun, and I let's have you back sometime. Great. Let's, I'll be happy to do that. The Trek Files is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment. Executive producer, Rod Roddenberry. Additional production by Ken Ray. All documents are available at facebook.com slash thetrekfiles. For more great podcasts, check out podcast.roddenberry.com. And for more deep diving of Star Trek behind the scenes, visit Dr. Trek and Portal 47 at LarryNimichek.com. That's me. Podcast.roddenberry.com. The Roddenberry Podcast Network.